Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> Take it away, Jean. Hey, Fred. <laughs> welcome, everyone. Hello, my name is Jean Gallagher, and uh, welcome to show number 14, Discover Rising Tides, How the Outside Makes the Inside Better, where we explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining life balance. Through this series, we'll be taking, we'll be talking to women business owners to understand their journey. And today, I'm excited to, to introduce Karen Covey. Hi, Karen. Hey. So Karen is a divorce coach, and she's also a recovering divorce lawyer. We're going to talk about that part, too. Um, she provides divorce coaching uh, to professionals and business owners all over the world. She helps her clients decide which, with confidence and clarity whether to get a divorce. She also helps them navigate through the divorce process with less conflict, expense, and damage to themselves and their children. Karen's also the author of When Happily Ever After Ends, How to Survive Your Divorce Emotionally, Financially, and Legally. She is also the creator of Divorce Road Roadmap, an online divorce program. And she's also the creator of Divorce, of, um, she can also be found on Facebook, and we'll give you the links when we're done but she's all over the place. And welcome, Karen. I'm glad to be here. Very, very excited to talk with you. And so, so there's, a, there's, a ton, there's a ton to talk about. So tell me, let's start in your beginning. So tell us about your, your recovering lawyerness and your journey, would you? Well, I started one of those two years ago. I won't say how many years ago because I don't know how old It's I a secret. Okay, cool. So I started out as a regular lawyer working for a law firm and then went from there um, to government, ran a bureau for the state attorney's office for a couple of years, then went in my own practice. And when I started my own business, I said, I will do any kind of case that there is except divorce. <laughs> and you know what they say, when you make plans, God or the universe or whatever you call the power that is laugh. Well, someone was laughing at me because client after client kept coming in saying, Karen, I want a divorce. Karen, can you help me with it? And finally, I literally was in my office. I threw up my hands and I went, okay, I'll do divorce. And <laughs> I never really looked back. But because I had so much experience before I went into the divorce system, if you will, when I got there, it didn't make sense to me. I mean, it's one thing to be have a, a witness on the witness stand when you're suing you know, uh, some big company for a product liability case. It's another thing when it's your spouse and your kids are hanging in the balance. And so mm -hmm. I kept trying to do it better ways. And that's why I became a mediator. That's why I did collaborative divorce. I became an arbitrator. I, like I kept trying to do it better. And finally, I realized that most other lawyers didn't have the same perspective, shall we say, that I did. And so... But as a lawyer, I'm limited. I'm limited to who I can represent, not only, you know, geographically, but physically because I'm only one person, right? So I decided that I needed to get my message out that you could divorce in a lot less uh, damaging way than what most people do it. Um, so I wanted to get my message out on the Internet. Well, the Internet isn't located just in my city, right? So I had to be able to get out in a bigger way and doing that caused me to transition into coaching rather than lawyering because as a coach, what I realized with divorce is it's mostly not legal anyway. I mean, it's a kind of a trade secret, but divorce is only about 10% legal for most people. 
you know, unless you've got some really complicated, you know, situation. For most people, it's financial and emotional and social and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so as a coach, all that stuff is what I help people with, informed by how the system works, because the system works the same way in every state, right? Um, And I can just say, so I can say to people, here, here are the questions you need to ask a lawyer, go do that. Now let's work on the rest of the stuff. And so that's how I sort of got here. Well, that really gives you a, because you've been on the other side, if you will, right? That, that gives you a really great outlook on the pre-work that has to happen. Is it, does it all happen before they go to the lawyer first and then during, or how does that process work? Or yes, everything. It depends. And the answer is yes. Um, So it just depends on how people want to do it. There's just, you know, yeah, there are there people who just get in a fight and say, that's it, I'm done, I want a divorce? Yes. Is that the most effective way to do it? No. It's like anything else in life. If you want to do this with the least amount of damage and the most amount of intention and to actually end up where you want to be when this is over, you need to plan. You need to set goals. What do you want? What's your plan? How are you going to get there? And then if you do that and you get your ducks in a row on the front end, before you go to a lawyer, before you file, before you whatever, you are going to have a much better experience than if you just mm. slam into the divorce lawyer's office and hope for the best. Wow, that makes sense when you put it that way. So the, the process, like you said, it's emotional, right? It, in the emotions of, it's not just, and I would think it's also not just divorcing the person you're married to. It's almost like you're divorcing the lifestyle or the life and the friends. And you're breaking up with everything that was part of the equation, right? Exactly. And that's why I kind of do what I do and what the difference is with a divorce coach and what a coach brings to the table. Because you aren't just divorcing your spouse. You're divorcing all of the things that you said, and the other thing you're divorcing is your own identity, especially Mm. if you've been in a long-term marriage. You identify as a married person. You identify Mm -hmm. as so-and-so's spouse. Well, guess what? That's going to change, and your lifestyle is going to change. And because of all those changes, that keeps people stuck for a very long time in, do I stay or do I go? Because it's a big decision, and it's not just losing their spouse, it's losing their own sense of self, their own identity as a person has got to be changed around. And so that keeps people stuck, often for way longer than what is healthy for them or for their kids. And so as a coach, I start with people there oftentimes, and I help them make decisions about, okay, what do you want, what is this going to look like, and how do you navigate this whole process, whether you decide to stay or whether you decide to go. Because the one thing I know for sure is people are not talking to me when they're happily married and everything is great. Like Mm -hmm. they don't come into my world. So something needs to change. And let's talk about how you can do that and how you can navigate that sea change um, in Mm -hmm. an effective way, in an intentional way. So now are you talking to both parties at one time or are you or you're choosing half of the partnership? 
excuse me, normally I'm only talking to half of the partnership, and it, but it's not my choice. It's who's, who's seeking me out, who's looking for the guidance, who's looking for the, the extra help getting through making the plan. Most, you know, there are marriage counselors that will work with the couple, um, but once you get to the point of divorce, usually like a lawyer, People have that misconception. People say, oh, yeah, we used the same lawyer. No, you did not. That is impossible. Mm -hmm. The way our justice system is structured, one side has a lawyer and the other one went without. That's what really happened because no lawyer can represent both sides of the same conflict, right? Mm -hmm. So once you get to the divorce point, people are usually represented just by one professional in whatever capacity. So... Is the do you often find that when you're sitting down with those initial conversations, I want a divorce, this is what I want, I what I want, I want, and then or what I don't want, what I don't want, when you're right, because a lot of times mm-hmm. it's that too. When you're as you're going through the process, does the end result differ than the original request? You mean do people end up getting something different than they thought they wanted in the beginning? Yeah. Um, Sometimes yes and sometimes no. I mean, it's really, that's a real tough question to answer because it's very situational. But Mm -hmm. the harder question is, do you know what you want when you start? And the answer to that Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10 is no. Like if I say to people, what do you want? They will respond with, I want to be happy. Well, that's great, but what does that mean? What does that Mm -hmm. look like? Happiness can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Well, I want what's fair. A friend of mine, a very good friend of mine who was also a divorce coach, used to say that fair is the four-letter F word of divorce because there is no such thing as fair. What you think is fair is different than what your spouse thinks is fair and what the judge thinks is fair probably is nothing like what either one of you think is fair. So you've got to start with what do you want? And you've got to be able to clearly say this is what I want and what you said before saying what you don't want. That's great. But that doesn't, I mean, it it can help inform what you want, but you have to know what you want or you're not going to have a chance to get it. And that seems so basic, but people go in and they just, they just, I want a divorce. Well, great. I can promise you, if you start this process, you will get divorced. You will end up at the, at the end, you will be divorced. But where are you at in your life? What Hmm. do you have? What you want financially? Do you have the relationships, what, what's the state of your relationships with your children, with your friends, with your spouse, with yourself? Are you in integrity with who you are? Or have you just done a lot of things that you're not really proud of? You know, where do you end up? Are you ready at the end of your divorce to start your new life? Or have you just sort of wandered into a place that now you need, you know, five years of therapy to get your head back on your shoulders? Those are the questions you got to ask. Wow, there's there's so much that I, I'm sure that most people don't even understand. And as we're talking through this, if any anybody that's listening has any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 323-580-5755. Karen will be glad to um, answer those questions as we're talking too. So how do you, how do you, you must have to teach people how to, either make decisions or come up with how they you're leading you're leading and teaching at the same time I'm assuming right and how do you how do you 
get somebody to even understand what they really want or try to make true decisions? It's the process of coaching. You know, what are your goals? It's like anything else. I mean, this is, you know, the beginning of the year. Everyone makes New Year's resolutions, New Year's. Well, okay, mm -hmm. great. What are your goals for your divorce? And I can talk about with a person as I'm working with them, what kinds of goals do you want? Because most people just say, well, I want to get divorced. Okay, great. We talked about mm -hmm. that. But what about money? I want, um, I want the house or I want the car or I want the 401k or I want whatever. Great. Why? What does that mean? Because money isn't just money. Money has a meaning. It's what story are you telling yourself about money? You know, what does that house mean to you? And can you really afford to have it? Why do you want to have it, right? So we talk mm. about that and we talk about all of the other goals because sometimes, as you know, goals are mutually exclusive. You might want to be through your divorce as quickly as possible, but you also don't want to spend a ton of money. Well, two can be in direct conflict, right? It may cost you more if you want to do it faster so that you just buy your way through it, or maybe that's not possible, you know, and if, so you've got to decide what's your most important goal, what's your top priority, right? And I usually take people through, you know, an exercise where I, I have them dump everything that they want onto a piece of paper, and then I say, you're going to take this and you're going to make three lists. And the lists are going to be, what do I absolutely need? What do I want? And what would it be nice to have in a perfect world, but I, you know, it really doesn't matter too much. I could live without it. And then you take that need list, you prioritize that, and you say, okay, this is the most important thing to me. And the challenge is you can't have 10 most important things. You get one most important thing, maybe two you can squeak by with, but that's about mm -hmm. it. Because then you use those most important things to inform the decisions you make as you go along through your divorce. Because what most people don't realize is when they're going through a divorce, they are going to have to make more important life decisions in a short period of time than they are at any other fixed period of time in their life, right? So you have to know, and what happens is, because they don't understand that they're going to have to do this, they're not prepared for it, and so they make decisions haphazardly, and then you end up with a mishmash of an outcome, and that's when you end up saying, okay, this is great, I got all the Tupperware, but I don't cook. You know, meanwhile, the stuff that I cared about, my spouse got, right? So you've got to use, it. there's a strategy, there's a structure that if you follow it, it gives you a better chance to end up where you want to be. Wow. And that's a lot. <laughs> Honestly, that, that's just so much to think about that I'm sure that a lot of people don't realize that they, they just have this emotional, I just want to end this chapter and start something new without even understanding what does that look like today and tomorrow. And then what do you, what do you, what does it look like when this is all done? What does this look like? Right. That whole other stage of conversation must be challenging too, because they don't necessarily, don't necessarily know that they needed to think about that. Is that right? Exactly. And here's the other challenge is that you can't think of it all at once. It's like, my, my father used to say, God rest his soul, he'd say, you know, you can't eat the whole apple in one bite. You're going to choke. 
So if you're in the very beginning of your divorce and you're just trying to figure out, do I stay or do I go? Or your spouse is the one that came to you and said, we're getting a divorce and you're shell shocked and trying to figure out what your next steps are. If you're trying at that point to decide what you want your new life to look like, I got to tell you, it ain't going to happen. It's not possible. You have to process your emotions. You have to deal with your grief. You have to take things one step at a time. And then when you get to the end, if you take them sequentially and you work through things over time, then when you get to the end, you're ready to say, okay, what do I want my next chapter to look like? What do I want this new life to look like now that I've been given the opportunity to have a new life, right? And then you get to create. But you can either deal with all this stuff as you go through it, or you can make this mess and wait until the end and then go, okay, I'm divorced. Now what? Now what? Yeah, and I would think having that conversation of here, if you do this, this, and this, this is what the other side might look like, can honestly make changes to what they might really need to to have during the process, right? Like, oh, I never knew that if I did that, that's what I'm going to get. Well, maybe that's not what I want. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, people think that because they don't understand how the system works, and I have to tell you, it is not intuitive and it is not user-friendly. And COVID has not helped, right? Because Mm -hmm. most of the courts all over the world are in some stage of virtual, right? Mm-hmm. Courts never do. I mean, let's just picture most judges are not young and they're all trying to figure out Zoom and they're all trying to figure out technology and they're all this. This was kind of a, a painful transition. And most courts have stepped up to the, the plate, so to speak, and they're doing mm-hmm. it better now. But it caused a sea change in the way things happen. And if you don't understand how to navigate all of that, um, mm-hmm you can really get lost. And most people make the mistake of thinking their lawyer's going to tell them how to do it. Their lawyer's not. That's not a lawyer's job. It's not what a lawyer does. And that's where your limiting capabilities in your previous career were really showing up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, people think, oh, I'm just going to, I don't know, they have all kinds of different ideas about what's going to happen, what they have to do, what they get to say. So many people really want their day in court, or they think they do. And they say, I want to tell the judge, blah, 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 blah. And guess what? You're never going to get the chance. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to just stand in front of the judge, even pre-COVID, even if you're in a courtroom. You don't get to just stand and tell your story. That's not how the system works. So people go to the legal system looking for emotional justice, and it doesn't happen. And then everybody's frustrated, everybody's disappointed, and you just make the whole process more difficult. So the key is to understand how it works on the front end so that you save yourself a whole lot of grief and aggravation on the back end. On the back end. So now the court system, I had listened to something not that long ago that was talking about COVID and the effects of COVID on the court system, but and also how far behind it is, right? And how does that that has to play, does that push towards mediation or does that change the, the landscape? How does that, how does it change the landscape? It changes in a lot of ways. If you can mediate, I mean, first of all, even before all this stuff happened, I've been a big proponent of keeping control of your own life 
And to walk into a courtroom and give your life and your children and all of your money, put it in the hands of somebody in a black robe who doesn't know you, doesn't know your spouse, and doesn't know your kids, that's a very scary proposition, right? Now you add COVID on top of that, which is me, which, you know, the court system was never fast to begin with. Now it's delayed even more because they had to deal with all this stuff they never had to deal with before, right? So if you can stay out of the court system and mediate your divorce, you're going to be a thousand percent better. The same is true of collaborative divorce, which is another entire process to get divorced that keeps you out of court. That's great. In some states, arbitration is a possibility. That'll keep you outside of the court. Arbitration is kind of like having a private judge, right? Um, mm-hmm. That'll keep you out of the system. All of those things, anything that keeps you out of the system will give you, number one, more control, number two, more privacy, and number three, more uh, it can get you done in a shorter period of time or at least a more efficient period of time um, than the court system can just by the nature of where we're at in the world right now. So what's the difference between mediation and collaboration or collaborative Um, divorce? Collaborative divorce. Mediation, in mediation, there's, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of mediation, but basically you and your spouse, either with or without lawyers, are sitting with a mediator who is an independent, neutral third party who's there to facilitate a deal. In other words, the mediator brokers the deal. They're neutral. They don't represent either one of you. They're not going to advise either one of you, but they're going to help you work out a deal um, because you and your spouse, if you could work out the deal on your own, you would have already done that, right? But, um, you know, most people, they can't talk to the others, to their spouse. They get in arguments. The stuff is too emotional, blah, blah, blah. That's mediation. Collaborative divorce is a team, uses a team approach. In collaborative divorce, you and your spouse both get a collaborative divorce lawyer, and then there is either one or two, a neutral coach, or maybe you each have your own coaches that participate in the negotiations to keep the emotions on level, and they have a neutral financial professional, takes all the financial information, inputs it into the computer program, into a computer program, and then it spits out reports and says, okay, if you settle, this way, it looks like this. If you break up the money this way, it looks like that. If you, you know, they can give you the financial options. The key differentiator with collaborative divorce, though, is that everybody, including the professional, signs an agreement before you start that says, if this doesn't work, then all of the professionals withdraw and the two people start all over again with new lawyers. Wow. And most people find that horrifying. They're like, oh, my God, I got to start all over again. That's the point, because negotiating hard stuff, negotiating things that are emotional that involve money in your kids is hard. And a lot of times your tendency is to walk away from the table and say, fine, I'll see you in court. Well, if you know you've got to start all over again, you're less likely to give up. You're more likely to keep your butt at that table and working out a deal. And the lawyer, in a regular traditional divorce case, lawyers make money when you fight. But if your lawyer knows that if you fight and you pull out, they stop getting paid, now they're on the same page with you. And everybody is working together to get the case resolved. So it aligns interests in a way that the traditional system does not. Wow. Yeah. And so really it is all about knowing that you should have resources on your side, that you can talk about the process or talk about without pressure of somebody looking over your shoulder, right? And giving you a chance to figure out what you really, really need or you really, really want out of this 
conflicting situation that's going to create a, a rift in everybody's yeah. life. Yeah, it's going to, it's definitely going to create a change. And change is always a little rocky. But what you're, what you're aiming for is to get over the rocky period and then create something new and calm on, on the other side, right? Um, and you can absolutely do that if you do it, again, intentionally and wisely, right? It's really hard to sit in court and have your lawyer ripping your spouse's face off in the afternoon, and then you go sit at the same soccer game next to each other and try to be nice for your kid. It, human beings don't work that way. You want to just shoot them when that, that happens, right? You can't be civil, and yet your kids are going to be your kids, the two of you, your kids, forever, forever. no matter what you do. Parents mm-hmm. are parents forever. So if you want to do it wisely, it makes sense to do it with more intention and to stay out of court. So how difficult is it for you as a coach to, to get your clients to remove their emotional reactions and to think more of, you know, business-like or more process-like versus emotionally? Is that, that's got to be incredibly hard. It is. But it's not. I mean, first of all, you never really remove your emotions. The question is to understand when they come up and to not let them influence you in a way that's not productive. And you do that by keeping your eye on the goal and understanding what you want and why it matters. If you know, if you have a big enough why, I think, you know, I I can't remember what smart person said this, but if you have a big enough why, you'll come up with a better how, right? Mm. And so you've got, if you understand why you're doing what you're doing, then you can work through the emotion and you can, and it starts with awareness. If you are aware that, oh, you know, I, 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 you know, you, your blood pressure is going up, you want to just punch something, you know, and you know that, then you can say, okay, wait a minute, I need a break, go take a walk around the block, come back, sit down and do. So it starts with, awareness and then having a coach there to say remember remember your end game remember your end game what are you doing this for that it all helps so that you don't make those emotional decisions that you regret later and your process or this process that we're talking about is also outlined in your book right yeah well in the book it doesn't talk so much about the decision of whether to divorce, it takes people from, okay, you're getting a divorce, here's how you do it. And so it goes through all the things that we talked about, about goal setting and what do you want, what do you need, what matters to you. And I also talk in the book a lot about what I call the three universal principles of divorce. Mm -hmm. And those are responsibility, control, and karma. And... (laughs) I like the in last a, one. Yeah, in <laughs> because a word, that last one, if you do the first two wrong, the last one will show. <laughs> yeah, the last one comes and bites you no matter what. But it's no about being what. taking responsibility for your own divorce. People want to give it to a lawyer. Here, here, fix it. And that's not what a lawyer does. You know, so it's about being responsible for your own experience controlling yourself and not trying to control your spouse because if that could have if that would have worked before you would have already done it 
and then mm-hmm. doing the right thing. Karma happens, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you get caught in the legal system or not. It will catch you, period, full stop. So do the right thing. Do the right thing. The golden rule prevails. <laughs> Always. So we have a question from somebody in Denver, and she wants to know if, or the person wants to know if you're going to be offering any coaching training. Do you train coaching. coaches? No, I do not at this point. I do not. I don't train other coaches. I, there are a lot of programs out there that do. Um, I got my coach training at someplace called Certified Divorce Coach. Um, and you can look that up online, and it's available to people. I, I would recommend that, but I do not have my own coaching school. What is the process for being certified since we're talking about that? How do you go about – so you take it, the course. Yeah, it's, it's a program. It's a, I don't remember how many months it, it was at this point. I think it was a four- or five-month program, something like that. And there were classes, multiple classes a week, and you had homework and modules and blah, blah, blah. And you go through the training – and even though I had been a divorce lawyer for decades at that point, um, it, it's more than just, it's not going to teach you the law. It's more about the skills of coaching. How do you get somebody um, through the process as a coach? So it, it was more that kind of, of training. And there's, there's a practical part, a hands-on part, as well as, you know, just the, the classroom part. So I thought it was a really good program. Could you um, give the website again for the program? Just Google Certified Divorce Coach. It's CDC, um, and they own that URL. I don't know if it's CertifiedDivorceCoach.com, and it was mm-hmm. run by a woman named Peggy Cooper. Um, I assume she still runs it. I'm not sure. Perfect. There was a question to have you do the redo the website. So thank you very much. That's good. You're so so the. So what's the process for you to, you know, you're dealing with people in a very stressful situation, their stressful situation, not yours, obviously, but how do you, how do you keep it that way? How do you not absorb their emotions and their stress? How do you not bring it home? The most happy, very diverse professional I know. I adore <laughs> my husband. I think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And every time, you know, dealing with all of the divorce stuff that I deal with makes me go, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, a million times. So it's just, I don't know, somehow along the line as a, as a lawyer, you learn to just sort of put that field up because you can't bring it all in or you can't function, right? It's like a doctor, same thing. So I, I don't know, I just do it and use it to fuel me or other things. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about other things for a second. And then we're going to circle back to your practice. But let's talk about other things for a second. So when you're not coaching, what do you, what, how do you keep yourself busy? What do you do outside of work? Huh. Interesting. Or question. more outdoor. Yeah. Related. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I am. I love, I'm a health, health club rat, a gym rat, I guess you would call it. I don't know. I love Zumba. I love working out. I do, you know, all kinds of just stuff in the gym. And I love to get outside too. I'm fortunate enough to live by some beautiful parks and the Morton Arboretum in the Chicagoland area, which is gorgeous. It's got all kinds of trails. And so, you know, get outside. See, you know, I really think, especially now during 
this COVID time, it's so important for people to get outside, breathe a little bit, walk, run, bike, do it. You know, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be super athletic. Just get out and breathe and do something um, and get a little change of scenery, you know, so that's what I do. Yeah, a lot of people think that you either have to be, like you said, super athletic or you have to have the right equipment. And well, I don't have the right equipment. I don't have the newest the newest gear. So what do I do? The whole idea is the hardest part is getting your butt out of the seat and out and going out the door. That that sometimes even for me is the hardest thing to break what you're doing and to get outside. How do you feel? What does going outside do for you and your thought process and how you work on a regular basis? Oh my gosh, it totally clears my mind. And not only that, and all right, I am I have to say I've been I've Born and raised in the Midwest, lived here my whole life, not a big fan of the cold. But I can say this, the cold will get you clear faster than anything <laughs> else, <laughs> you know, really, really fast. So there's, there's, I've come to, as I get older, appreciate there's a beauty to the cold, too, you know. Um, and it's just getting outside and seeing that there's life. I mean, so many of us, me especially right now, I'm stuck in front of a computer so much of the day. It's, it's like easy to feel like you're a part of the computer. I am not a machine outside and see the birds and the squirrels and the trees and the, you know, whatever else is out there. And it just makes a difference in not only physically how you feel, but also how clear your head is. Mm, that's a really good point. I, I, I find the same thing because... COVID has made all of us very much Zoom-related or computer. We might be talking to people on a regular basis. Well, you and I, we talk every Tuesday because we're in a networking group, and, and it's, it's, it's done so much to bring all of us together because before COVID, I don't know that you and I would have met. And now, that, now it's broadened our, our horizons and logistically we're not, we're not just stuck in our little area. And that changes for business too. So now for your business prior to COVID, was it mostly um, Chicago local or had you already started to branch outside of the Chicago area prior to COVID? I had already started to branch out as a coach. That was the whole point was to expand out of my area. Um, but as mm -hmm. a lawyer, it was there, I was very much local. I mean, I was, it was one courthouse, one county, you know, I, I practiced in a couple of counties, but primarily one. Mm -hmm. um, so it was very, very local. But I had already started to make that transition. So when COVID hit, like I've been Zooming for years before COVID. Um, so it's just a professional. Like, oh, everybody just discovered Zoom. Um, it's so interesting. But, and it, there's, there's great benefits to it. Like you said, I never would have met you before. And this is awesome. Um, but it's also, you know, I think we're humans. We need the balance. We need the connection um, mm -hmm. of other people. And this is great. And this, I'm so grateful for this because to sit home for the last two years without it would have been horrible. Um, mm -hmm. But I think we need both. We really do. Yeah. And so what does, what does your practice look like now? Um, we're mostly virtual, but your clients are all over the world. Yeah, that was, that was actually really surprising for me because I went on this journey thinking that I needed to broaden outside of the Chicagoland area, outside of the state of Illinois, right? 
Um, I hoped that people would contact me from all over the country. I was shocked when people contacted me from all over the world. Um, and the truth is that that when you start with the decision of do I stay or do I go, what do I do with my marriage, that's mm-hmm. a universal decision. It has nothing to do with where you live. Every human deals with those kinds of questions, and that's where I start with people. And the divorce system, the laws are in different states and in different countries. However, if you know what questions to ask, you can say, okay, here's the, the kinds of questions you need to ask. Go talk to a lawyer about that. But here's the other stuff. You're, if you're getting divorced, I don't care if you are in Kentucky or Chicago or Canada or the UK or, you know, anywhere, you're going to have to find – somebody's going to have to move out. Someone's going to have to find a new place to live. Someone's going to have to figure out when you're going to see the kids. You're going to have to figure out what to do about the money. Like there are, the structure is the same. So many of the issues are the same. And yeah, the law of where you live is going to affect how that all plays out. Mm -hmm. But you still got to deal with all of it. Mm. And so when people are considering they're having this feeling, I think I need to get out. What are the, do you have any and quick tips. I don't even know if you can ask this question because there's nothing quick about this process. Are there <laughs> any quick tips for them to recognize? Here's what you're feeling, and maybe here are some first steps that they should they can they can do. Um, it helps to you have to start with you, with where you're at. You know, why are you feeling this way? What is it that's going on? And that's a big question in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in therapy, and individual therapy can help you dig in your own self to figure out what's going on with me, why am I feeling with this this way, what's bothering me, because most people's tendency is to put it all on the other spouse, right? It's his fault or her fault or whatever. That is never going to help you, right? It may be true, may not be true, but it's never going to help you solve your problem, which is what do I want to do about it, right? Mm. And so it starts with that, and it starts with simple things like saying, what do I want my life to look like? Mm-hmm. And is this what I want? No. Okay. Well, then, if it's not this, what is it? And again, most people's tendency is to say what they don't want, but never to define what they do want. You can't mm-hmm. get what you want unless you define it, right? So it starts with when you start to have those questions, ask yourself why. And ask yourself, what do you have to do to try to fix the marriage that you're in? Is this, you know, is it fixable? Do you want to fix it? And if so, how? And there are so many good tools out there um, for working on your marriage. Because I have to tell you, getting divorced is a big deal. There's a lot to it. It's expensive. It's ugly. It's nothing you want to do if you don't have to do it. If you do have to do it, you know, God bless, you got to do what you got to do. However, it helps to know that you have done whatever you need to do to say, this isn't going to work and I can't fix it Hmm. before you move on. So it's about making, you know, figuring that part out. And if people have any questions and they want to reach out to me, I'm happy to share whatever resources I have. And it's really about self-discovery. Very much so. Very, very much so. And why do you want to get a divorce? What do you think life is going to be like? What do you try? What is it that 
you're trying to create? And are you trying to create a new life or, or create a life and this one won't fit? Or are you running away from something you don't want? Because if oh, you're running God. away, whatever you run away from, it'll find you again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wow. deal with it now or deal with it later. Through the self-discovery process, do you ever find that the couple actually decides, you know what, we really don't want to get divorced? Yep. Ah, there's had, good news in all this, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to count, actually. But I've had many people who, through coaching, have come to me and said, you know what, I don't need you anymore. We're good. Awesome. Wow. And that works, too. And I don't want to give anybody you know, false hope. It's, I'm not a miracle worker. However, um, there are things that you can do and that you can try. And sometimes they work. Sometimes the problem is it's just, you know, getting to a different way of communicating or talking to people or, you know, talking to your spouse, dealing with whatever the issues are in your marriage. If you can get to that, sometimes you're good. Other times you've waited too long and it's just over, but it happens. So on the positive note, when it can be resolved positively, how do, how do people find you? How do we reach out and find you? The best way is on my website. It's karencovey.com. It's K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V as in Victor Y.com. There's no Ian Covey or I would be related no to somebody famous, <laughs> um, which would be really cool. I would love to be related to Stephen Covey or Stephen M.R. Covey now because the father is, is passed, but, um, but I'm not. So KarenCovey.com on my website. I am Karen Covey on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And, you know, the book is available on Amazon. So it's all under my name. Fantastic. You know, Karen, I want to thank you so much. This has been a blast to talk with you and so much information that you shared. And you are a wealth of knowledge, not just knowledge, but what you bring to, to couples as they're going through this really difficult difficult time. So thank you so much. It's been a blast. And, um, and we'll make sure that your contact information is in the show notes too, so people can find you and um, get help. I have, I've been so honored to be on the show. This was a really, I, I enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Are we good? You must get the music that, I mean, it talks about rising tides. You must have commissioned the music.